Well, hey, what's going on? Happy Monday. Nick Kirby here, and welcome to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. This is your home for daily Reds content, all spring training long, with new episodes seven days a week, recapping each of the Reds' Cactus League games. Uh, coming up in just a minute, I'll tell you about the Reds' 9-4 win over the Angels on Sunday, and later on, an interview with Clay Snowden of Just Baseball. But first, I want to tell you about our proud sponsor. That, of course, is Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. All right, so the Reds and Angels on Sunday. There was no TV, but we did have the angelic voices of Tommy Thrall and Jeff Brantley to get us through, along with some nice clips from the Reds on social media. Let's start off with the pitching on Sunday. Hunter Green made his spring debut, and he threw an inning in two-thirds scoreless. Green allowed one hit, no runs, did walk two, but struck out four. Uh, Green was scheduled originally to throw two full innings, but he exited a batter early because he reached his pitch limit. Not exactly sure what that pitch limit is because the box score uh, on uh, Reds.com does not tell you how many pitches they had. So, But we know from Mark Sheldon that he reached his pitch limit. We've talked about how Green added a curveball and a split-finger fastball to his pitch mix this offseason to complement his four-seam fastball and his slider. And according to Mark Sheldon, he used all four of those pitches uh, during his inning in two-thirds on Sunday. Charlie Goldsmith of the Inquirer reported that Green threw his curveball in a full count against the very first batter of the game. He allowed a walk when the pitch didn't break uh, the way that he wanted it to. Uh, Mark Sheldon also reported that Green was happier overall with his split-finger pitch, and Hunter Green appears to have abandoned his changeup that we saw him just use sparingly last season. Here was Hunter Green post-game talking to reporters, this courtesy of Gordon Whitmire of the Cincinnati Inquirer. I try to keep it simple. I um, feel like I had a good feel for everything. Curveball was a little iffy, but you know, as part of spring and continuing to work on it. I really just wanted to work on uh, trying to get some early pitch contact, and I don't really want to get into it. Um, you know me, you've, you've asked those questions before. Um, but yeah, just being able to have kind of an equalizer and uh, be able to add some more to, to the mix. Yeah, the split was fantastic today. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, so just continuing to work on it and uh, get it ready for opening day and the rest of the season. Brandon Williamson came in in the third inning, and he pitched two really solid innings, just allowed one hit, no runs, no walks. Love to see that, and struck out two. Reds number 14-ranked prospect. That's according to Baseball America. Julian Aguiar, uh, he had a monster season in 2023, ended the year at AA Chattanooga. He threw a 1-2-3 um, inning, his first inning that he pitched, uh, but then he did allow two unearned runs um, on a throwing air. Um, he got through two innings with just those two runs allowed, two strikeouts, and good, good to see no walks. TJ Antone walked a batter and hit a batter, but he did strike out three batters without allowing a run in his lone inning of work. All right, on the offensive side of the ball, Reds offense got started off by Spencer Steer. Um, he was batting leadoff on Sunday. He had two hits, including a double. 
Stuart Fairchild had a big day, 3-for-3 with a double, and he stole two bases as well. Luke Maley had the biggest hit of the game, a three-run home run. Edwin Arroyo, second straight day, he made a really great uh, defensive play at shortstop. He also uh, went two for three at the plate to complement that. And Bubba Thompson had another really nice day. He went three for three with a double. He was playing DH on Sunday. David Bell gave uh, Bubba a lot of high praise after the game for his work ethic and how hard he works. So Interesting to watch Bubba Thompson as the season progresses. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand made his spring debut. Uh, 0 for 2 was hit by a pitch. Jose Barrero, his spring debut playing center field. 0 for 2, but he did walk and score a run. And then some other news um, and notes around the uh, NL Central and the Reds. The Chicago Cubs, they finally did it. They signed Cody Bellinger to a three-year, $80 million deal. There are opt-outs uh, after each of those first two seasons. Now, I'm going to talk with Clay Stone about that in just a minute. Uh, some fun comments from Spencer Steer uh, via Gordon Whitmire of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Steer said, the way that I look at it is, cool, let's beat them with Cody Bellinger. Got to love that attitude. Uh, it was reported that Ellie De La Cruz was working with 1991 NL All-Star Brett Butler. Reds brought him in to help Ellie learn how to bunt. So there was some video of that. So interesting to see if Ellie adds that to the arsenal. Um, I remember Brett Butler as the guy that batted leadoff the last time the Reds won a playoff series in 1995 when he was the uh, leadoff hitter for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Mark Sheldon also said in his newsletter that it's possible that Rhett Louder skips over A-ball and starts 2024 in A Chattanooga. That'd be pretty cool to see uh, from the Reds' 2023 first-round draft pick. I uh, didn't mention this yesterday, but uh, something worth mentioning. Um, Reds did agree to a minor league deal with first baseman DH uh, Mike Ford. Um, he would earn $1.3 million um, if he reaches the big leagues, if he makes the big league club. And he can also pick up $125,000 in incentives. Um, but he does have opt-out dates both during spring training and during the regular season. Ford's a guy who hit 16 bombs last year for the Mariners. Um, in just 219 at-bats, has a good walk rate, had a 123 weighted runs, created a plus. One of those guys, you just kind of look at their their numbers last year, and you're kind of surprised why they didn't get a big league deal. Usually there's a reason why, but uh, Ford, definitely a player to watch. Um, definitely a player you love seeing the Reds get on a, a minor league deal, at least for some insurance, if anything else. All right, well, here is Clay Snowden of JustBaseball.com. I interview with him. Stick around, I'll have details uh, of Monday's Split Squad games after my interview with Clay. All right, joined now by Clay Snowden of JustBaseball.com, bringing Clay in to talk a little bit about the Reds, two games into spring training. Clay, what is your big-time riveting takes on the first two games of spring training for the Reds? Well, you know, it's different this year without as many position battles to watch or, you know, players who like, like Ellie who are coming up, but there's still some prospect intrigue, and so far, I wouldn't say I have anything too, too much to take away. I did like that, you know, Stevenson looked a little bit comfortable behind the plate. That's better than coming in and looking terrible behind the plate. So we love to see that. Yeah, and I know you were talking a little bit about that, you and uh, our, our pal Bryce. Uh, uh, just, I guess, let's jump right into Stevenson. I mean, do you, are, are you in the camp that there's still something salvageable there or... Or are you kind of like like some of the other ones in Reds country that just 
it's it's time to move on. It's tough. I mean, a lot of catchers, it takes them a long time coming up through the minors for a reason. It's a very difficult position to learn how to call the game, blocking, pitch framing, everything that goes into it. But also somebody of his size, six foot four, it's it's a little bit awkward um, with strike zones and framing, especially. But I laid out in an article of how many players have improved in that year three, year four. You know, it, it might take some time to kind of iron out the kink. So I do think that he's, you know, a good enough athlete and like a hard enough worker. Like there's no like questions, you know, red flags with character or anything that I would say he can't do it. So I'm sure he worked on it a ton this offseason. I know I saw some video of it as well. So yeah, I, I think he's definitely somebody who could take a step forward defensively and that would go a long, long way for the Reds. Clay, what are you what do you think are some realistic expectations? Or I guess maybe just straight up, what are your expectations for the Reds this season? I don't know why we should not be having the conversation of of winning the division. I mean, it's it's totally possible. And I know that the Cubs are good, and I know we like to make fun of their roster and whatnot. That's a good team. I, I truly feel that way. And I think that the Pirates are better than we like to traditionally give them credit. So I think that those aren't going to be as, you know, like easy wins or anything like that. Like I don't see any of those within the division. The Cardinals bounce back thing that everyone's predicting this like 93 win bounce back season or whatever. Like I don't see that. Um, They have a lot of similar players on this year's roster as last year. I know that last year was just the perfect storm and they are better than that. So I think it will be a very competitive division, but I I would say the Reds are finishing in the top two, and um, it would not surprise me at all if they won. And you didn't even mention the the Brewers who mm-hmm. won the NL Central by uh, nine games last year. I know they had quite a bit of change, but yeah. uh, definitely a competitive division. And and that leads us to Cody Bellinger, kind of the uh, the news of the weekend. Uh, coming in, I had just uh, hit send on the uh, into the podcast feed, and Jeff Passett tweets out that Cody Bellinger's in. I was like, well, I'd have to wait for tomorrow's podcast yeah. at this point. Uh, Clay, I mean, like, I expected this was going to happen. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I if I was a Cubs fan, I would be thrilled with that contract that that you don't have a six, seven, eight year risk for a guy with the wild track record that Bellinger has. Um, it makes the Cubs better, but this is still a Cubs team that only won 83 games last year with Bellinger. I do think he's a good player and, um, you know, getting out of LA helped him a lot. Getting healthy helped him a lot and it makes their team better. No doubt. And I actually think Dansby Swanson will be better this year. How often do we see a player come to a new team with a big deal in the first year is not exactly great. And then it takes off from there. We see that very often. So I actually think Swanson was still a 4.9 war player last year. A lot of that's defense, but I think that this is a good Cubs team. Now I want them to prove it first. As you mentioned, you know, it's kind of been going downhill a little bit, kind of middling for them the past couple of seasons since they traded away their core from the world series team. But Bellinger's a really good player and we can make fun of it and say, Oh, well, how about Pete Crow Armstrong who, at the end of the day, the Cubs went out and got a proven player instead of relying on a rookie. And I don't think that that's ever a bad strategy. 
Yeah, I think the Belichick signing is a great contract for them. So uh, I won't be making fun of it. I, I but I'm not also gonna be like full panic mode. They yeah. signed Cody Bellinger. You know, it was I, I expected it kind of all along. All right, let's get to a couple interesting players um, here early in camp. The first one, Bubba Thompson. This is a guy. I, I to be honest, I, I've just kind of not had this guy on my radar at all. He's been DFA, brought back, and thrown all over major league rosters. Uh, but hey, two games. He's looked really good. David Bell really went above and beyond in his post game comments today about how much he likes how he works. What do you think about Bubba Thompson? Yeah, he kind of reminds me in a way, not nearly as um, skilled as Jose Siri, but a similar kind of path where it's, you know, a prospect coming up with a lot of a- a- athletic ability, a good arm, a phenomenal fielder with speed. But he strikes out too much. He doesn't hit enough. And you wonder if it's going to click for him like it did for Jose Siri after he bounced around on waivers for years amongst multiple teams. I don't think that he is going to make the roster, but the Reds obviously like something about him to bring him in twice in an offseason. So I think personally, it's just more of a, hey, we need to have some depth in center. And that's what he's going to be. Fairchild can play there. Fairchild's probably making the roster over him. But if Fairchild goes down, if Friedel goes down, now you don't have to make uh, someone like a Blake Dunn make the opening day roster. You you have this insurance piece. So I like Thompson. Like I said, athletic player. Good start to spring the first two games as well. And it seems like the Reds definitely want to get a look at him, having him DH mm-hmm. today. Uh, yeah. that, that's kind of telling, I, I, I feel like, when you're when you're looking at at lineups of who do the Reds want to see, uh, was that they they had Thompson DHing. Really interesting and kind of surprising signing over the weekend was a minor league signing with a a pretty substantial over a million dollars if he makes the club. In Mike Ford, you look at his numbers and it's like, how did this guy not get a major league job? It also makes you realize kind of why Joey Votto has not got a major league job is that Mike Ford, who who had a much better year than Joey Votto last year, signs a minor league contract with the Reds. I do think players like him get that type of money if they make the major league roster. We usually just don't hear about it. It's usually not reported. Um, I know Jose Iglesias had a few million dollars when he made it as a non-roster, and um, there's a few other players that are slipping my mind. I think Jonathan VR, when he was a Red for like three seconds before, but like he, he had those type of deals too. Mike Ford's an interesting player. I I remember when he came up with the Yankees and in his rookie year, he had some home runs like 10 or so, 12 home runs or something like that. And there was some buzz around him. First baseman who had he, he, his transaction log 32 transactions in 2022. This guy just bounced around. Uh, He signed multiple minor league deals, waivers. The Mariners have had him on, their team or organization three or four different times. They love the guy. Big power lefty bat. Again, strikes out, of course. In the majors, in the minors, he did not strike out near, nearly as much. And there's always that little bit of intrigue, that power. Like, can it all click? I don't think it will lead to anything here. Now, if you can find a way to just keep him around in the minors, then I'm all for it. And I'd love to go to Louisville to watch him hit home runs. But, um, not a player that's versatile enough to make the roster, in my opinion, DH only or 
DH or first base, and that's about it. You can't really do much with them. So to me, it's, again, another insurance piece. And and you've seen the Reds kind of scramble in a way, and I don't think that's the right term, but kind of last-minute sign some vets to bring in here to at least go through the motions of spring training. Since 2021, Washington Nationals, Yankees, Rays, Giants, Angels, Mariners, Braves. That's the, that uh, doesn't even count the call-ups and downs. and yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just the organizations he, he was in at some point. So, yeah, he's had a – I would say probably almost like the only guy that, that he could make the roster on would be like if CES got hurt. I don't even know if like McLean's not ready if he – Somehow was the guy that sneaks on the I, roster. I just, yeah, I'm struggling to see it. Um, smart guy though. He he did go to Princeton. Uh, smart smart guy. So I I do not see him making the roster, and I'm surprised that he even took the invite from the Reds. I figured there'd be another another team that would have been interested. Well, interested to see. Uh, to see if he's in the lineup on uh, on Monday against the uh, Seattle Mariners. So we'll we'll see that as one of their split squad games. Uh, last player I want to talk to you about before we get you out of here is uh, Edwin Arroyo. Back to back days, he's made some really nice plays in the field. Had two hits on Sunday. Uh, Edwin Arroyo kind of up and down, but he's so stinking young. Where are we at on Edwin Arroyo? Yeah, and. I've kind of caught some flack about being like the low guy on him. I like him a lot. I think he's a top 100 prospect. I just don't think that he is as good as some people had thought he had been. I think he's a really good defender at short. I don't know if he's like elite tier. And uh, I talked I, I talked to Aram late and he was also, I was running that by him and he was mentioning how sometimes when the players are super young and they're that good, they get tagged as that. And if they you know, don't develop into a higher, higher, higher le- level than you see it. And when you watch him at short, there are some mistakes. But like like you said, this kid's so young, and there's no need to rush him at all. I hope the Reds in no way rush him. There's nowhere for him to play right now either. And there's talks about moving him. I would not move him at all. Keep him at short. Let him continue to develop and see if he can tap into some more power and a little bit more of a consistent bat. He was a bit streaky at times. Um, for me, it's okay. Last year, he showed some signs that I really liked, and he started to even change me more into a bigger fan by the end of the year. And now I just want to see what that next step looks like. Another year of development, another year in the system, and just another year of growing and getting stronger and be growing into an adult body. Pretty cool to see him, you know, first two games playing in both and then starting at shortstop in game number two. Kind of feels like maybe the Reds are saying, all right, this is the year we want to see, you know, obviously not like make the major leagues, but we want to see some serious growth and development this year. Yeah, I can see that as well. And it's also one of those deals where, again, we don't need to worry about this right now, but keep him at short. Maybe he becomes a trade piece if you need to, if everything's clicking in the majors and you have depth there and you like, um, you know, some, some other players in the organization at that position as well. Like it's not impossible for that to happen. I don't think that he would make the majors in any capacity this season. Um, I would be really, really shocked if he did just because there's no need to rush him. There's, there's, it's not like you have a stopgap at short or Kevin Newman at short and the next guys, you know, Miguel 
uh, Hernandez or whatever. It's not, that's not the situation. All right, Clay, we'll appreciate your time. Uh, everyone be sure to check out his work at justbaseball.com and Clay will chat again soon. All right, so the Reds will play two on Monday. First up, it'll be the Seattle Mariners in Goodyear, Arizona. This is a 3.05 start. This is on TV on Bally Sports Ohio. It's also with the Reds broadcaster, so really excited to see. And there's only three of those this uh, spring, so uh, enjoy this one. Uh, the game is also on 13.60 a.m. Uh, Reds pitchers scheduled to appear on Monday against the Mariners. Andrew Abbott, Lyon Richardson, Brent Suter, Lucas Sims, and Tyler Gilbert. And the Reds will be going up against Luis Castillo. Castillo's never faced the Reds. Not a whole lot of Reds left around. Let's see if Tyler Stevenson is in the lineup in that game uh, as they were uh, battery mates back in 2022. The other game, Reds will be going up against the Brewers out in Phoenix. This game is at 310, and there is no TV for this one. And there's not even local radio for the Reds. The only way you can uh, hear about this game is via the Brewers radio network. You can catch that uh, on the MLB app. Of course, I'll follow along the best I can and let you know everything that happens on Tuesday morning in your podcast feed. But some really good pitchers going in this game. Unfortunately, that we won't be able to see it. Nick Martinez making his Reds debut. Christian Roa, Rhett Lauder, Chase Petty, and Casey Legamina. All right, well, thanks so much to everyone for listening today. Really appreciate everyone's support. Um, who have, everyone who's helped this podcast from from last year when we started in spring to now, it's just been a lot of fun. Um, if you have not subscribed uh, to Chatterbox Reds Review Podcast, make sure you do that. New episode seven days a week, covering every single game, giving you recaps each morning, bright and early. So make sure you do that. If you also could leave us a five star review wherever you listen to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to us. I know I've had some we've had some fun with this. We've had some people who've just left a five-star review and the in all caps have left Stuart Fairchild uh, for my affinity for old Stuart. So I appreciate those. Uh, then of course Chatterbox Sports over on YouTube. That's where you can find Chatterbox Reds when we do live shows. Um, also off the bench, 10 a.m. to noon, uh, Monday through Friday on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Be sure to check that out. Uh, Trace and the the fellas talk about a rough weekend for college hoops in the Cincinnati area. But uh, to also talk about uh, the Reds and the first weekend. Well, hope that you have a fantastic Monday. We'll talk again on Tuesday morning. As always, go Reds. Go Reds.